Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. What's up, everybody? How about that? I guess it's my turn again. What's up? It's the brother from another program. It is usually Michael Holly and Michael Smith. Michael Smith is not here today. I will try to hold it down without him. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, I am. He's not heavy. He's my brother. A little Donnie Hathaway reference for you off the top. What y'all know about that? Anyway, listen, we're going to have a great show today. We're going to talk a little WNBA. We're going to talk some NFL with Brother Sims. We're going to check in. We got one half. I guess it's a theme today. We got one half of the Jenkins and Jones podcast with us uh, today. We talked to Jones a couple weeks ago. Now we got Jenkins today. But before I get there, I'm going to tell you this thought I had last night. Now bear with me. Bear with me. Uh, I'm taking you inside the Holly Lair. So I had to start late last night, and the thought was, how, how can I put it? Sometimes you need a glimpse of excellence to understand something greater. Or, or I can say it this way. Sometimes you need a microcosm. You need to see a microcosm of excellence to see the larger thing. What am I talking about? It will make sense soon. I, I, I'm getting there. I'm going somewhere. Bear with me. I'm going somewhere. All right, so I'll start with this story. Imagine young Michael Holly, 17, 18 years old, going on a college visit from the great state of Ohio to Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to visit Point Park at that time, Point Park College. So I just want you to, I want you to get this picture. You know, it's 1988. So I got the, you know, I got the tight fade. I'm listening to uh, Guy, Keith Sweat, Anita Baker. You got it. You got the picture. So I'm on my way to Point Park to visit this school. And all I was thinking about, all I knew, I was a basic kid. Basic kid in the Midwest, uh, loved sports, loved listening to music. Didn't, didn't cause any trouble for my folks. I mean, just a really basic kid. Uh, worldview, yeah, pretty limited. Pretty limited worldview. I gotta, I gotta be honest. So I'm on my way to Point Park because I wanted to major in journalism. I just wanted to write for newspapers my entire career. Get into Pittsburgh, going with my grandmother, Nana, and my mom. They're driving me to this small school right downtown in Pittsburgh. And my grandmother was hating on it. I mean, she was hating on it because it, it doesn't look like, you think about a, a typical college campus, it really doesn't look like what you expect it to look like. I mean, it's, it's, it's all buildings. There's very little grass. Like some people standing in front of Point Park at that time didn't even know it was a college. It was just their bus stop. So that kind of place. Nana's looking around saying, I think you'd like Ohio State better. Uh, I think you'd like Kent better. And so as she's hating on Point Park, one of the people came by, uh, one of the people I was going to interview with, and said, you know, uh, we're so glad you came here, young man. You know, this school, the number one major in the school is not journalism. It's not business. 
it's dance. Dance, like, you know, ballet, jazz, modern, uh, Dunham. It, it was dance. And I didn't know I can't dance. I didn't know anything about dance. So I'm a little confused that that's the number one major at the school. And just at that moment, you know, three or four dancers walked by and I said, Nana, you can hate all you want, but this is God's will for my life. I'm going here. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Anyway, I digress. Look, I didn't know anything about dance until I went to Point Park College. And once I got there, I started to understand, started to meet different dancers. I used to watch them warm up. They had like eight dance studios in the school. It was a microcosm of excellence right there at Point Park that allowed me to understand something greater. So I'm wondering last night, is there a Michael Holly out there? Is there a young Michael Holly looking at baseball in its entirety saying, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's boring. It's slow. Uh, it, it's out of the, it's, it's out of touch. I mean, this is not a, this is not a culture where it takes three hours, three and a half hours, four hours to get something done. As a matter of fact, I need, I need to know how long is this going to take? I need it to be a little bit faster. Is there a Michael Holly who was watching baseball last night, saw a microcosm of excellence. I'm going to get there on that microcosm uh, that excellence. We saw, saw a microcosm of excellence and then saw that as a gateway to understand something bigger and better. Like before I get there, what a game last night. Let's just, let's just take a listen. Let's take a look last night. On two and one, Taylor, fly ball to left, and deep, and gone! Chris Taylor, a walk-off home run. The Dodgers are walking off to San Francisco. They win the wild card, three to one. I just love the way coming into this game, um, knowing you had a built-in excuse as far as uh, a one-game playoff elimination game. We were prepared to win a ball game, and... Um, <clears throat> Hats off to the Cardinals. Uh, they gave us everything we could handle. And um, so, yeah, I, I think it's great. Um, it's what baseball wants. You know, Giants, Dodgers, one of the great rivalries in sports, and um, it's happening. All right, that's uh, as Dave Roberts, the manager, a brother from another. And Gary, I hope you have the clip because when the Dodgers won it last year, and they beat the Rays in six games. Afterward, we talked with Dave Roberts, and he said, hey, I'm glad to be here. Hey, fellas, I'll come back on when we win it next year, if we win it. I don't know if he was that confident and said when we win it, but I think he said, if we win it next year, we'll find it before the show's over. Dave Roberts promised to come back on the show, and I'm going to tell you right now, folks, he's coming back on the show. He's coming back on because... The LA Dodgers, I don't, you know, listen, I don't, I don't want to go too far with this. I don't want to go too far because everything is great now. Everything is great. Hey, how was that movie? It was great. It was great. That was a great movie. It was, it was, it was, it was a great meal. Uh, this is great. Everything's great. There's a great, great song, a great album. Okay, everything can't be great. But the Dodgers, I'm going to tell you the Dodgers, I'm cheating a little bit. Allow me to cheat. When I say the Dodgers are the team of the century. Now, this is cheating because 
the last great team we saw in Major League Baseball. I mean, the last like historically great team we saw in Major League Baseball. Whew, I hate to say it. God, I'm glad Sims is not here yet. The Yankees. Yankees win it in '98. Yankees win it in '99. Yankees win it in 2000. And they come just a smidge, a smidge within a four-peat in 2001. They lost to the Diamondbacks. But the reason I'm cheating is because I said 98, 99. That's last century, last century. But this century, look at the LA Dodgers. Look at, look at what the LA Dodgers have done. And I know a lot of people, it, you know, everybody uses a different metric to define greatness. For you, it might be, it might be run score. It might be run differential. Run scored versus runs against. Uh, it might be hardware, decorations, you know, MVPs and all-stars and everybody, you know, big names. For me, it's just very simply this. Uh, I think a, t- a generational team has to win multiples, like back-to-backs. If you're going to be a great team, you can be a real, really great, not just like a one-season fluke, one-season aberration. You got to go back to back. The Dodgers have not done that yet. Now, I sound like a Dodgers fan. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just I'm just appreciating. I'm just appreciating the excellence of the Dodgers and realizing what they could do, not only for Los Angeles, obviously, but what they could do for baseball. I'll get to that. But the Dodgers really could have. They've had some opportunities to establish their greatness. Now, they, they won eight straight division titles and the year they didn't win the division, this one, they went 106 games. So the most overqualified, the most qualified wildcard team we've ever had, 106 wins in a wildcard game. Eight straight division titles. They're in a World Series last year, they win it. They're in a World Series in 2008, they lost to the Red Sox. 2017, they lost to the Astros. There's even an asterisk next to both of those. Now we know losing to the Astros in 2017 I mean, I didn't make this up Houston. You got to deal with this. You got to deal with your own sin. So they lost in seven games to a team that has been characterized as the biggest cheating team of the 21st century. So who knows who knows they probably should have won it in 17 and it, it gets even better because in 2018 they lost to the Red Sox. And Alex Cora, that's my dude, but Alex Cora was suspended from baseball in 2020 over some stuff he did with the Astros in 2017. So you can make the argument that the Dodgers were cheated out of not one, but two World Series. Anyway, lost the World Series in 17 and 18, won it in 2020 uh, in six games. I'm going to tell you, uh, the Dodgers will win it this year and I, sorry, San Francisco, I don't think it's going to be close. I use that dance example. If this were dance, uh, the Dodgers would be the Alvin Ailey dance troupe. The, 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 it would be Alvin Ailey meets Bill T. Jones meets Missy Copeland meets Savion Glover. I told you I paid attention. I never took a dance class, though, at Point Park. I never took a dance class. One professor said, you should take a dance class. And I told him, man, I can't dance. He said, that's the point. You should take a dance class. I never did. But I think 
for, for those who are critical of baseball, and, and baseball gives you a lot of reasons to be critical. Pace of the game, some antiquated rules and unwritten rules of baseball that a lot of people don't understand. The season is very long, 162 games. That's a long time. But I think the Dodgers represent the best of what baseball has. First of all, the lineup is exquisite. I mean, you've got guys down in the order who have been rookies of the year, National League Championship Series MVPs, have been league MVPs, World Series MVPs. Former rookie of the year uh, for the Dodgers is hit, hit this. You know what he hit this year? He hit like 165 or something crazy. Don't fact check me on that. But anyway, he's in the 160s. He had a really bad year and it didn't hurt him at all. Imagine if he had a good year. Maybe they would have won 120 games. This year, the Dodgers lost Trevor Bauer. I don't want to minimize that situation. Very serious situation. Trevor Bauer, done for the year. And he's going to have to deal with some, who knows what the repercussions or the consequences are going to be for Trevor Bauer. But he was a Cy Young winner last year. Gone. Clayton Kershaw, you know how dominant he is, one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. History, out, injured, out for most of the year. Max Scherzer, as great as he was after they traded for him, you could argue he's not even their best pitcher. They got Julio Urias, a 20-game winner. They got Bueller. Both of those guys, Urias and Bueller, not even 27 years old yet. They got my man Mookie Betts, whose initials are what? MLB. This is Major League Baseball's team. But really, I'm, I'm serious, folks. If you, if you are one of those people who is unsure about baseball and you don't think the sport's for you and uh, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't capture you, it doesn't, it's, not, it's not compelling for you, watch the Dodgers. From the talent they have to one of the rare uh, black managers in the manager seat, uh, uh, black leaders in the manager seat, like Dave Roberts is from the the stadium itself. I'll tell you another story. First time I went to Dodger Stadium, I was tripping. Now I was going through some things. That's none of your business. I mean, I know we're close with family, but we ain't that close yet. I can't tell you all the things I was going through. Uh, first time I went to Dodger Stadium, but I, I make a long story short. First time I went to Dodger Stadium, I was I, I guess I got the feels. I wasn't married and and I was thinking, okay, this is love. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even lying to you. I was thinking, okay, I, I, maybe I don't know what love is yet. But this is, okay, this is long before I met Oni. Oh, don't, don't stop tripping, Oni. Okay, this is long before I met Oni. So don't, don't go running and telling her that I was proposing to a stadium before I proposed to her. But Dodger Stadium is one of those places that will make you understand and love baseball. You're sitting there. It is not one of these new cookie cutter stadiums. It's there in the mountains. It's a great view. The Dodgers in those crisp, you know, white uniforms with the nice little Dodger script across. I think it's the best uniform in baseball too. I'm, I told you, I'm not even a Dodgers fan. So I, I, the, the, the stadium, the tradition, uh, and now the talent. The LA Dodgers will save baseball. They will be the team of the century. I don't think the Giants can see them. I don't think uh, Tampa Bay, the second best team in baseball. I don't think the Tampa Bay Rays uh, can can see the Dodgers and have they got everything. The reason is the Dodgers have everything that you need. You want to go pitching duel like last night? They can pitch with you. 
You want to slug? They can slug with you. They got a little analytics. For my stat nerds out there, for my stat heads, I see you up there in the balcony. For those who love analytics, Andrew Friedman built the team. And I think he may have struggled for a little bit because he came from Tampa. In Tampa, you know, just imagine you never had any money. And all of a sudden, you know, you had to make do with what you had. You know, scratch a couple, you know, put a little, rub a couple of dimes together, a couple of nickels together and see what you have. That's what it was like in Tampa. And he was successful, didn't win a World Series, successful. He goes to the Dodgers and they just open up the vaults for him. So he's got that. He's got the, he's, he's a moneymaker, but he's also comes from that stat tradition. So they got analytics for you. For all you people who just say, oh, wait a minute. You know, there's something, there, there's some poetry in all the numbers. They got the poetry and the numbers for you too. Uh, and they got charisma. Back to Mookie. And they play in Los Angeles. Last thing I'll say about this. This is why I'll say, I'll say they, I'm going to say they're going to save baseball. Is it ironic? Is it a coincidence? That the best team in baseball, the Dodgers, sorry, Giants, the best team in baseball plays in LA, which is known for storytelling and movie making. There's a new story being told in Los Angeles, and the Dodgers are going to tell that story. I'm here for it. I'm hyped. I've been I've been wanting to talk about baseball for for a couple of months. You know, things have come up. I really haven't been able to dig in and talk about what I think has been an incredible season. Obviously, uh, the Cardinals had a great year. Congratulations, Cardinals. You had that uh, long winning streak. Also, a terrific baseball town, St. Louis. Cardinals had a great year. Giants had a great year. Rays, again, 100 wins. Red Sox, White Sox. A lot of teams doing well. But the LA Dodgers, mark my words, team of the century. And if I'm wrong, well, I hope you enjoyed the story. All right, that's it. Listen, coming up, you know, another thing I want to talk about. I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. The WNBA. Now, I've just been throwing it out there. I've really been throwing it out there saying that the Phoenix Mercury are going to win the NBA, uh, WNBA championship. And I, I love their talent. And who can stop the Phoenix Mercury? I basically was talking about the Phoenix Mercury the same way I just talked about the Dodgers. And right now, they're tied at two in their semifinal series with the uh, Aces, with the Las Vegas Aces. So I don't know what I'm talking about, but I tell you, I'm going to come back with somebody who does. That's a little hook for you. That's a tease. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.
All right. Hey, that was the scene from last night. Look, the Chicago Sky went 500. You saw it there. Number six seed. They go 500 during the regular season, offseason, point guard, uh, all-around player, Courtney Vandersloop, text Candace Parker and sending her all kinds of stuff from Chicago saying, you got to come to Chicago. You, it's time for you to come home. That's Candace Parker's home area. Uh, she grew up in Naperville. And Candace Parker leaves the L.A. Sparks. Only team she played for goes to the Chicago Sky, the hometown team. And they make it to the WNBA Finals. They take off. They take out, by the way, uh, Christy Winter Scott. They take out the number one team in the league, the Connecticut Sun. So it's not like, hey, they just, you know, some things happen. They beat, they were a six seed beating a five seed. They took out the number one team in the league. Now, I, I told people, Christy, before you came on, I've been wanting to talk about the WNBA for a while, but I have no idea what I'm talking about. Not like you do. So you got to help us out here. Uh, first thing, welcome back to the show. We had you on before. You were fantastic. Uh, I'm glad we didn't offend you so much that you didn't want to be associated with us anymore. So thanks for coming Never back. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Never that. Always a pleasure. Well, Christy, uh, you got to put this in perspective for us. Let's talk about the Chicago sky. Uh, did you see it coming? Because I was looking at uh, everybody's predictions, you know, take it for what it's worth, looking at all these predictions before the playoffs started. And I think, oh, I don't know, zero, zero people had the Chicago sky going to the WNBA finals. No, I tell you what, it, it has been quite something to see Chicago do what they've done to get themselves into the WNBA finals. I mean, without Candace Parker early on because of an ankle injury, they went one and eight during that stretch. So that kind of took them out of contention a little bit early on because of that. And then the big Olympic break. So there was like a pause. Everyone got healthy. They came back that second half of the season and really started playing well. But towards the end of the season, I tell you what. I was super concerned about Chicago because they were having a roller coaster of production. And for Chicago to do that at that juncture, going into postseason with having to play elimination games, single elimination games, and then get into series and stay consistent, I was really concerned that they would be able to do that. And they have been able to do it. And it has been quite remarkable to say the least. I think uh, Kalia Copper has just been the star of the postseason. Obviously, we know what Candace Parker can do. We know what Courtney Vandersloot can do. But I think the star that has emerged for the Chicago team has been Kalia Copper out of Rutgers. I mean, she was an amazing player for C. Vivian Stringer there, but has evolved every single season that she's been mm -hmm. in the WNBA. And you love to see that. But Chicago, I, they have taken down, like you said, the number one seed going into the WNBA playoffs. And and that was quite a concern as well because Connecticut, I moved them up. I'm an AP voter, and I had moved them up to number one uh, a lot before mm. uh, people that, that were voting as well. So, um, And then they came along, and then the, the next week, oh, yeah, now everyone sees what I was seeing with them because they put together a string of wins, but then they added Alyssa Thomas into the mix during the playoffs. And I think that's just tough to do when you have the MVP and John Quill Jones on the floor. And it's just tough to add a player like an Alyssa Thomas who commands so much attention, but also needs to be in the mix. She does so many great things for the team. It's just hard to regain that chemistry with someone who hasn't played all season. 
You know, Christy, I know from, from your career, you appreciate post-play. Uh, you appreciate rebounding, getting it done. I know, I know you're a Hall of Famer uh, at Maryland. So um, I don't, I, yeah, yeah, you know, listen, you know, don't, 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 don't be humble. Don't be too humble. Don't be too humble about it. Um, look her up, though. Look her up, folks. Look her up. <laughs> she is a baller. Um, I don't want to be too, I don't want to simplify it too much. When Parker missed like eight or nine games in the regular season, they struggled. I think at one point he lost like seven games in a row. When she came back, they went on a run. Is it, is it simply, hey, Candace Parker, we all know Candace Parker can ball, but is it simply that Candace Parker added to this team makes this team a, a, a championship contender? Is it that simple? I think so. I, I think it is. I, I think just listening to Candace Parker and her postgame comments through um, the passion and, and tears that she had on her face, I just think that she knew too that it was time for her to make that move. And I, for one, did not think that she would leave L.A., a place where she was named MVP and Rookie of the Year in the same season and won championships with. I just think that Candace Parker, she just knows what it takes to win. And to insert a player like that who is coaching on the floor, if you watch the game uh, very uh, instinctfully, she tells the story to her teammates. She understands the game at such a high elite level. I, I heard her when Flute hit a shot. She's like, I told you that would work. You know, I could read lips on the court. And she's, <laughs> she's just so commanding of the moment. But I think, yes, just adding her presence on the court, I think changed everything for them. And I mean, the double step back in the corner for that triple in front of the MVP, John Cole Jones, I, I just thought that I was uh, I'm here at this hotel and I hope I didn't wake the people on the left and the right of me because I went completely off. I'm like, this woman, this mom, this broadcaster, this multifaceted uh, female yeah, that yeah. is just, it just, she just empowers so many people by showing what you can do with a determined mind. And yes, her presence on the court changes things for Chicago, but she also sent a text message in January to Sloot, who was texting her to get there. Courtney Vandersloot, like you said, was trying to reel her in. And she said, I think it is time for me to come there. I think it is time and we can do this. And I, I have been comparing that situation to LeBron James going back to Ohio with Cleveland to win a championship. And no one thought he would leave and do that and go back. Like he had already been to Cleveland, left, won some rings, and then came back. Unprecedented. But I think Candace Parker, I think that situation kind of mirrors LeBron James in terms of going back home. And she saluted the crowd there. I mean, I don't know if I saw her do that in L.A., and that's no slight to L.A., but she's home. She goes to visit her grandmother on the weekends. She has her daughter there. Her parents are there, her brother and, and nieces and nephews. I mean, there's just something different about the heart of a city, and she has that on her back right now, and that's her, her clear motivator is the fact that she did take the gamble to go home, and I think that's why she's playing the way that she is, but I also believe that's why her teammates are playing the way that they are because they want it for her. All right, Christy, before we get you out of here, I got to talk about the other side because I've been sitting here saying that the entire time, okay, uh, I need the mercury and I need the sun. The sun took care of business and it, it was really hard for those, for those lower seeds. You got two elimination games you got to win. 
And then, you know, you got, well, you got that quick elimination game. Then you have to go on the road and, and take on the iron of the league. Uh, and, and the sky did its part. Now, the Mercury, last night, I'm thinking, oh, man, and they got blown out. Exactly. Winner take all. Friday night, who you got? Please tell me it's the oh, Mercury. My. I want it to be the Mercury because Diana Taurasi is the GOAT, and she had 37 a couple games ago, but she hasn't in the last two games exploded like that offensively. I think she looked fatigued in game four. To me, all of her shots were hitting the front part of the rim. She was limping at the end of, of game four as well. Uh, I want it to be the Mercury, but man, I tell you what, they have some injuries. Kia Nurse went down the first 30 seconds of the game with an apparent knee injury. Not sure what that MRI is going to show, but it did not look good. I will say that, unfortunately, uh, for her and unfortunately for um, Phoenix Mercury and their fans. But they have Sophie Cunningham, who's also out with a, a leg injury. Ah, I, I just want them to be healthy. And that's the, the key piece Ooh. in postseason play is to be healthy, right? You're not and going I, the way I, I want you to go, Christy. Christy, you're not you're, you're really not saying. I mean, you're not saying what I want. <laughs> you ain't talking right right now. <laughs> I want you to say something else, and and you kind of. Uh, I know where you're going. Okay, so you're picking yeah. the you're picking the Vegas Aces, right? I think I am because listen, when they are playing balanced basketball the aces are hard to stop. Now, when they got demolished by Phoenix by 27 points in the last game against Phoenix, they weren't hitting their outside shots. And now guess what? Now, Asia Wilson has to play crazy basketball and, and have a lot of attention given to her because now they can pinch and play double team, triple team, crowd her space, and now she can't do what she can do. So what Vegas did well they were able to hit the outside shots. And Phoenix, they've got to be able to do the same to free up Brittany Griner. I mean, Skylar Diggins-Smith, she's got to do her work. Diana Taurasi's got to hit shots. And now all those players have to play big minutes because of the injuries, like Dakia Nurse and Sophie Cunningham. So now, not only do you have to hit shots, but now you got to be on the floor longer than probably you want to, uh, longer than Sandy Brondello, the Phoenix coach, wants you to be out there. But I think that Vegas right now, I think they can sense it. They're going back home for game five. That's a ceiling game and it's a decisive situation for them. And they got their game right in game four to be able to advance to game five. So they had everything clicking. Chelsea Gray was phenomenal. She needed to be. Kelsey Plum, if she goes off too, that's going to be a problem for Phoenix because of those extra minutes now that they're going to have to play because of injury. But also they're on the road and they have to play at Vegas, which is a tough place to play. Yeah. See, it's, it's easy for me um, to root against Vegas. It's not personal, by the way, I want to, I want to point this out. It's not personal that I'm, well, it's kind of personal. It's kind of okay. personal because Vegas is coached by Bill Lane beer and it's just, you know, it, you know, it just, <laughs> it's just hard to let some of that stuff. <laughs> it's hard to let some of that stuff go. You know, it's hard to let it go. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. but it never really, it, it wasn't personal for me. I, I, I was just talking before you came on, I was talking about the Dodgers and how I said, it's good if somebody, especially if it's something they don't understand, if they see a slice <laughs> of excellence, that will draw them in to the larger story. <laughs> and then that's how you, that's how you build 
That's how you build a fan base. That's how ba- that's right. how baseball can build a build a fan base. And the WNBA. Think about this. If you had a finals with Brittany Griner and Skylar Diggins Smith and Diana Taurasi and Candace Parker and Courtney Vandersloop all in one finals. Boom. My head is exploding. I love that. Yeah. That's what I'm rooting for. No disrespect to Connecticut. You had a great season. No disrespect to Vegas, even though you got Bill Lambeer as your head coach. But really, don't you think like that would be like the crown jewel of the WNBA season if you get those teams in the finals? I think so. I mean, the star power across the board is is quite phenomenal, even if Vegas gets there. But I hear what you're saying with three Olympic gold medalists on the Phoenix team. I, I think, you know, that can't be understated. And yes, I know Kelsey Plum won it with the 3v3 at the Olympics in Tokyo. And I know that uh, Asia Wilson also was a part of that. So I get it. So I'm not slighting them. But yes, it would be great. And for me, I think I want it for Diana Taurasi more than anything. Um, knowing that she's 39, knowing that, you know, she is battling through, she's not hundred percent healthy and she's giving the team everything that she has. So for that alone, I kind of want it for Phoenix. Um, but I also want it because Sandy Brondello's husband is an assistant coach in Chicago. Did you know that? And how that would I look didn't know that. and how, no. yeah, it's, oh, it's a lot of Olaf Lang is the assistant in Chicago. So that would be a a pretty good dynamic if that happened as well. But I I just think, yes, the star power would definitely be in place. And it would be a lot of fun to see those two teams battle it out in a five-game series for the championship in the WNBA. And Chicago, man, what a story. 500 all season, and now there they are. And now it's, it's wait and see. Now they get a chance to rest a little bit more than whoever wins uh, between Phoenix and Vegas, they get a little more rest right now, waiting for the results of this game. All right, Christy. All right, last thing. Anytime okay. we talk WNBA, I've made it a mission to put people on the spot. Uh-oh. Don't say you can't say there are a lot of good candidates. You can't say, "Ooh, that's a good question." That's what people say when they're trying to buy time. Ooh, that's a really good question. Okay. I don't want to answer. All right, I'm gonna say that. I'm, I'm gonna say this to you. I know. Okay. So you're trying to stall. We got, oh, we got you figured out. We know what that's all about. Uh, WNBA came out yes. with its 25 greatest players, but who's the GOAT? Who's the greatest player in WNBA history? Christy Winter Scott says. That's a good question. <laughs> no, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. No, no, that's against the rules. You can't do that. <laughs> okay. Well, let me get my sweat beads off my forehead because. That question is tough, man. I tell you what, it's the same as when you ask that question about the NBA, right? It's it's about the eras and who was best in each era. And when you start battling era versus the next best one, Christy. it's so tough. I know. I'm Christy. buying myself time. You said you knew that I was doing that. Anyway, okay, look. All right, wait. Okay. So for me today, right now, after 25 <laughs> years, oh gosh, I'm, I'm buying myself a couple more seconds. Okay, look, I'm going to say Diana Taurasi. And, and it's, not, it's not statistical. Listen, it's not statistical with Diana Taurasi. All right. Okay. And some people, I know Rebecca Brunson has five rings. The only one in the league in 25 years that have five rings. Love her to death. And it's no slight to Tamika Ketchings. I love her. And oh my gosh, 
for me, it's See, about the fierce. Now you're naming a whole it's, list. You can. I know. And, and you those know, ones. And, and then Cooper. Cynthia Cooper. I, like, Cynthia right, Cooper. Right, right, right. Yes. Lisa Leslie. I mean, Cheryl Swoops. My God. Tina Thompson. I mean, there's so many that could list. be labeled that. I got you. I, I'm, sticking, I'm sticking with DT because she has okay. the Mamba. She has the Mamba mentality. And not that the other ones don't, but the way that she is just fiercely focused on the task at hand, that's what separates her I from like everybody it. else. That separates her from me, from everybody else. But I like that. Some players, some people who are being asked that, they don't have the, the like, dig down passion and gritting of the teeth and the furled brow when things are going on in a game. Ooh, I like it. I, I got I have, the picture. I, I'm not, I I'm like not comparing myself. Yeah, I'm not comparing myself to Kobe or, or the late great Kobe or any kind of mamba mentality that I had, but the love and passion that I have for the game is displayed night in, night out, hurt or not, by Diana Taurasi. And the way that she's been able to do it over the course of time to me has been incredibly spectacular. She just gets it. She put her time in. Somebody asked her, hey, how, how much time have you had off? And she said, two weeks. Oh, you get two weeks off a year? She said, no, that's been in like my whole career. Like if you add the days up, it's two weeks. I mean, this is someone who has sacrificed and not that she's the only one. So don't get me wrong. If you're listening to this, like, well, so-and-so sacrificed. Listen, Diana Taurasi sacrificed and brings it every night in terms of the passion for the game. And for me, when you show that, it's not arrogance to me. It's integrity and it's, it's love of the game. It's investment of your life to the game. So to me, that just separates Sina Tarazi from everyone else. I'll tell you, that, that's a great answer, Christy. I tell you, I wish I could ball because I want to go out right now and play. I just, I'm just terrible. But I wish I could. Yeah, like you make me feel like I can go out and like get somebody like, you know, two points and two points and a rebound and maybe a steal <laughs> off the bench okay. in like six minutes. <laughs> Maybe five minutes. Hey, that's good. Christy, we need it. <laughs> always, always a pleasure to have you here. And when the WNBA finals are over, I'm hopeful that you'll come back and, and kind of break those down for us. You know, give us an analysis, postseason analysis of the WNBA's 25th season. Really appreciate you. Always some smart stuff and a lot of fun, too. Thank you, Christy. I love it. Thank you so much. And I will be honored to come back after the season's over. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. All right, look, this is uh, this story is just fascinating for multiple reasons. It just goes and goes, and it's not even, it's not necessarily a hot take story. It's just a good, you don't go old school. It's just a good conversation piece. Uh, and if we were a different kind of show, we'd say it's a good think piece. 
this this whole situation about Kyrie Irving and his refusal so far uh, to be vaccinated to get the uh, to get the shot to get any shot whether it's uh, Moderna Pfizer Johnson Johnson he's just not doing it he's it, it's not something that he's going to do and the reason it's just so interesting I mean there are really many levels to it it's somebody who says they don't want to do it that's a conversation that outside of the NBA a lot of you uh, are having conversations like that with people you know and in some cases it's the relationship deal breaker if you are in a relationship with somebody and you get it and they don't it's a problem they get it you don't it's a problem just all across playing out all across uh, the schools and uh, bedrooms and offices across the United States of America and around the world I imagine but the reason it's interesting in the NBA is because of who's refusing to do it Kyrie Irving one of the most popular players in the league and one of the most polarizing players in the league and who he plays for I mean uh, we'll, we'll talk about it later in the show because I still haven't had my my big bite haven't had my big bite at the NBA general managers poll when they just went over a number of issues in the league and talked about who's going to win it and who's the best player and whose future do you like on and on and on, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we talked about it yesterday briefly. The number one team in the league, according to NBA general managers, is the Brooklyn Nets. So you got the number one team in the league. You think Brooklyn, most of the league, almost three quarters of league general managers think Brooklyn is going to win the championship. It's kind of difficult to imagine that the number would be that high if those general managers took into effect that Kyrie Irving either doesn't play uh, that, that's not on the table. I don't think, but it could be we'll come back to that. If you factor in that Kyrie Irving is playing half of the games. So if you play half of the regular season games and then you have them for the playoffs, as long as the San Francisco slash Golden State Warriors don't make the NBA finals. You have them for the playoffs and half of the regular season. I don't think the numbers would be that high if they knew this situation. That this situation is still is still active. It's still fluid. Who knows what's going to happen? Kevin, what's going to happen? Kevin Durant spoke out about it and said, yeah, we expect essentially we expect Kyrie to be here. And now Michelle Roberts, who is the outgoing president of the NBA Players Association, says, oh, wait a minute. Now, I believe in vaccinations, but I don't believe that the NBA, that we've agreed that the NBA can find players if they choose not to be vaccinated. So there's a tension of that, this battle over what, what could amount to $383,000 per game. <laughs> That's a lot of money. You know, you miss, you miss, uh, you miss three games. Okay, you, get, you, 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 you short a million dollars already over a million dollars. So there's a financial battle that's going on. There's a competitive side of this story. Does does Kyrie Irving do it for his teammates? Do his teammates say do it for us? Is Brooklyn is Brooklyn forced to trade Kyrie to a, a, a city that doesn't have this vaccine mandate? And if that happens, does Kyrie fulfill his promise? Allegedly. Want to be accurate, want to be fair. Does he fulfill his promise? If they trade me, I'm going to retire. 
There's a lot there. I thought of something else. Yeah, y'all tell me what you think of this. I think it's a real possibility. Look, uh, there was a book that came out. Uh, excuse me, I can't remember the title of the book. And if I could remember, uh, I'd lie to you and say I can't remember because that's you know that's another book out there. Why am I big up somebody else's book? I'm an author. Check out mine. <laughs> I'm just playing. But really, I don't remember the name of the book. But the book was about the Nets. And the author in, uh, just goes into great detail about how the Nets now with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, the Nets go out of their way intentionally. This is their thing to cater to players. So the players say, give me this, give me that. I need this. We need that. We're going to practice today. Oh, practice is a little too strong. We need to do it this way. Maybe change up the meals around here, change up the accommodation, whatever it is. My buddy needs tickets. Somebody needs a job, whatever it is, the Brooklyn Nets will do it. Would the Brooklyn Nets be on board with playing Kyrie just in home games? I mean, it's, you know, in road games. I probably said that wrong the first time. He can play on the road, can't play at home. Clearly, New York City, San Francisco, Brooklyn, part of New York City. Can't play in Brooklyn, but he can play on the road as long as the road game is not in San Francisco. Have I lost anybody yet? I hope not. So would Brooklyn say, all right, we are so pro player that a guy, a guy decides that he doesn't want to get the COVID-19 vaccine. He don't want to get that. Okay. It's Brooklyn. We live in Brooklyn, baby. It's good. It's good. We see all kinds of people, all sorts of philosophies. There's nothing that has happened in Brooklyn. There's nothing that has uh, gone on around the Barclays Center. Uh, around Bedside, Park Slope. That's for the for the bougie ones. Sorry, right. but there's nothing that's happened in these neighborhoods that we haven't seen before. So okay, brother doesn't want to get the vaccine. He's one of the best point guards in the league. We will allow him to play on the road, and when we get to the playoffs, because regular season doesn't really matter that much anyway. If we're the top seed, two seed, three seed, doesn't matter, because we get Kyrie. For the postseason, watch out. Is that a possibility? And I, I'm serious. I, I'm not. I'm not being silly here. Uh, I, I have my moments of being silly, but I'm, I'm. I'm dead serious. If they did that, I know. I know the front office would be on board. I would think, right? Steve Nash, I think, could be, could be talked into it. Fans, fans would be on board. Big question is, how does that play in the locker room? Would Kevin Durant say, all right, that's my boy. This is bigger than basketball. We're brothers. We'll be brothers once we retire. And I don't always, uh, I don't always have to agree with my brother. Tell me about it. You've seen us on this show arguing all the time. I, 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 wonder, I wonder if that can happen. In the meantime, I'm going to go back to Michelle Roberts just uh, briefly. Now, Michelle Roberts, I, I, I feel like a lot of people find themselves in this position. And I'm going to call a little bit of BS on it. So people who say, I'm all about the vaccine. I'm all about it. I want all of our players to be vaccinated. Yet I understand or I'm supportive of one of my members who doesn't do it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe that. I think people say that because it sounds good. I think Michelle Roberts, if she's all about the vaccine, I think she wants them to get the vaccine. Now, She's talking like a lawyer, and lawyers do this all the time. What was that? Uh, what was my man's name? 
uh, Alan Dershowitz. Alan Dershowitz uh, used to walk around and he had this t-shirt to say that said, it's the constitution, stupid. And lawyers out there know what it means. It's like lawyer humor. The rest of us, it's over our heads, but lawyer humor. So lawyers are really trying to say, look, it ain't about me. It's not about my personal opinion. I'll defend somebody that I find detestable because I, th I believe they have a right to be defended. So maybe Michelle Roberts is doing that lawyer thing. But intellectually, I just don't believe that if you are against the vaccine, if you're, if you're, if you're anti-vax, you don't, you don't agree with people who are getting it. I know you don't. No, you don't. And if you're pro-vax, you don't agree with people who are against it. So let's just get that out the way. The NBA, I think this is what the NBA can do. And she's saying, we'll see because collective bargaining agreement, I won't get too in the weeds here, but the collective uh, bargaining agreement allows the NBA, the NBA feels that the collective bargaining agreement allows the league to find players for missing games, even though the agreement was that players did not have to be. There was no vaccine mandate. So I, you know what I think the NBA will do? It's all about money. NBA wants Kyrie Irving out there. They want stars out there. They don't want stars to sit. They don't want this type of publicity. They don't want this to, to, to undermine the NBA season. So I think they will take money from them. This situation will be resolved one way or the other. We will hear something about this situation probably, uh, what's today? October, what, 7th, 8th? I don't keep up with dates. Um, so probably two or three weeks into the NBA season. Because in theory, if you say to me, and I don't have Kyrie Irving money, if you say to me, hey, I'm going to take $50 from you every day, 50, just $50, I'm cheap. If you say, I'm going to take $50 from you every day until you do something, until you do this thing that you don't want to do, I'm going to take $50 every day you don't do it. Now, it's easy for me to say, no, nah, I ain't doing that. It's only $50. It's easy. In theory, intellectually, it's easy. But when you start to lose that money, <laughs> I, I think it changes your opinion. Kyrie Irving, I know it's not about the money he's made tons. I saw Uncle Drew, too. I saw it. He's got the shoes. He's got stuff off court. Very smart guy. Got it. But when they start taking that money, they start making, take, taking 383 grand every time the Brooklyn Nets play. You see Brooklyn Nets home Barclays Center on the schedule, and you know that on the schedule, you're losing $383,000. I think you figure it out. Either you get the vaccine, or maybe, maybe, um, maybe you ask for a trade. I think the situation will be resolved once the money starts to come out. That's my hot take on it. It's not a hot take. Uh, but Michelle Roberts, nice try. That's what you're supposed to do. Stand up for the union. I just don't believe that that's really how you feel. And by the way, what's lost in this whole thing, and I have to make sure I've mentioned this uh, before we talk with Brother Sims, because I'm going to give him a hard time. Ooh, wee! I'm going to give him a hard time. Um, before we check in with Brother Sims, I want to mention the only, re the only reason Michelle Roberts and Adam Silver and Alan Houston um, and, and World Wide West and everybody else was in the same location yesterday is because there was a school opening. Earl the Pearl Monroe has a school in the Bronx. And 
I, I know we're talking about the NBA and the NBA season. We're excited, what's ha- excited about what happens on the court, but I just think that's a great example. I just want to give a shout out to those like Earl the Pearl and LeBron who start schools, who understand that, yes, I'm a basketball player, I'm associated with basketball, but, but because of the publicity I get and because of this platform that I have, I can take my love for basketball, my basketball profession, and I could turn it into something uh, much greater and much bigger than myself. So congratulations, Earl the Pearl. All right, Brother Sims is about to get this smoke. Is he ready? You don't want to miss it. Oh, man. He's such, and, and he doesn't even know what I'm going to give him smoke on. He thinks it's just Red Sox Yankees. But I got something else for him, too. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Oh, he's here. Oh, he showed. He actually showed up. Oh, oh, wow! Look, it's Chris Sims. Chris Sims is here. Uh, listen, uh, you're not gonna get what you think you're gonna get right now. I'm gonna talk about something red, but it's not the Red Sox. I want to talk to you about the Red River Showdown. It is Texas. It's Oklahoma, and there's an anniversary. You know, it's a 20-year anniversary of a pretty iconic play uh, in college football. Uh, it, do we have? We have some stuff on this, Gary. Do we have a? Uh, do we have some pictures? What we got? Oh, oh man, that. See, that's <laughs> that's Chris Sims, and I don't know what you're saying to the other Roy Williams right there. The Roy Williams who hit you from yeah. Oklahoma. Then there's the Roy Williams, your receiver from Texas. Uh, what what's up with that hit? And just just talk about it. it seriously. It's one of the great rivalries in college football. I love it. I love the name. And I love some of the big plays that have happened there. But what are some of your memories of that play, which everybody remembers 20 years ago? Well, yeah, I mean, first off, the rivalry is special to your point. It really is. I, I would I would tell any sports fan, any real football fan, like that's one game you got to go experience once in your life just because the, the stadium is split down the 50 yard line. So on one side of the field, you could be in a home game and then drive down to the other side of the field and get in the red zone. And all of a sudden it's so loud, you know, your players can't hear you and you got to do silent snap count and signals because it's a totally different atmosphere. So it's really cool with that. And of course, the Texas State Fair is going on outside. Uh, pretty awesome spectacle. You know, that game itself right there, that was my first, that was my junior year. My sophomore year, I played, but I didn't get in until the game was 28 nothing. So this was my first start. And of course, I think we were one and they were two that year. Or maybe we were two and they were three. It was wow. something like that. I forget. Um, but, you know, they had our number. And that play specifically just to that. They called the same blitz earlier in the fourth quarter. And their Roy Williams jumped just like you saw right there. And I made a miss and ran for like 25 yards up the middle. 
So now here are, and I believe it was like 7-3. It was a defensive struggle this game. And we're backed up on our own four or five yard line. And here's the tragedy of it, all right? Still that like haunts me. You know, of course, I don't like that I got hit and the ball flew up in the air and ended up being an interception. But I had my Roy Williams one-on-one with a little room as I was throwing it. And I remember as I was getting ready to throw it, I go, Oh man, if I get to this get to this get this ball to him in a hurry, he's gonna have a chance to make something happen and make this guy one miss, this one guy miss, and you better watch out because our Roy Williams is a freak show too. Uh, but yeah, that's one I'll never live down. And you know, honestly, yeah, it, it it stunk at the time, but it was such a great rivalry. It was a big moment in college sports. And here's the last tidbit: I went to Oklahoma once and went in their their football Hall of Fame. Man, they got more pictures of me than they do the rest of the players on the damn Oklahoma history in that damn place. So I guess that's not such a bad like, thing. I'm honored. I'm honored that you, you all are really that think of me that highly where you put my pictures in your Hall of Fame. Exactly. You, exactly. It didn't bother you, though, did it? Did it bother you? Um, like, no, as far as that, no, that did not bother me. It did not bother me at all. You know, hey, sometimes the way the Texas fans have treated me, that still bothers me. I'm not going to lie. Like, that bothers me more than, I mean, the Oklahoma fans, they should, you know, razz me and get after me a little bit. But, uh, yeah, all in all, still, great rivalry, and it was unlike anything I ever was a part of. And like I said, I think any real sports fan or football fan needs to go and see that one. All right, uh, let's, let's talk about some um, great rivalries and great games, lots of those. Uh, in the NFL, I want to talk about a, a historic franchise that's not really playing at that high level. We're not talking about the 85 Bears, we're talking about the 2021 Bears. And there was some back and forth. I, I, I can't wait to hear your take on it. Back and forth. All right, Justin Fields, we're going to go in there, but Andy Dalton's still our starter. Then uh, Fields plays well. Well, we'll see what's happening with Andy. Now Matt Nagy comes out and says, Justin Fields is our starter. So just help me make sense of the swirling information coming out of Chicago with, uh, with Justin Fields. Well, I mean, I, I, listen, I guess in their heart of hearts, they wanted to let Justin Fields sit out the year like, like Patrick Mahomes did when Matt Nagy was the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I, you know, uh, I, I take them at their word for that. I, I didn't understand that. You know, again... You know, I know every circumstance is different, but I'm the believer of get them out there, get them playing, you know, learn the NFL life, what it's like to play in the NFL. It's different than the college game, you know, get some positives, positives you build on, you know, get, you're going to take your lumps, but you also really build on those as well. And man, you know, a lot of people think I'm a Justin Fields hater because I ranked him the number five quarterback in the draft and all that. First off, I'm not a hater at, with anything. You know, I, I really like the guy, the person. I see talent. Did I have some concerns? Sure. But, man, he played awesome last week. There's no doubt about it. And, I, I mean, I don't think there should be, you know, any back and forth. And I'm glad they finally went, and went ahead and just said Justin Fields should be the starter. You know, first off, what I've been saying all along since training camp is I think their best possible way to win as a football team would be Justin Fields' type of football, style of football. And that's like what we saw from them last week. Run the ball underneath the center, you know, stay patient with that, play action passes, 
few bootlegs. So, you know, what I've said to a few people, look, I mean, almost every big throw he made in the game is a play-action pass, just like you see here last week. Their offensive line is more talented than people give it credit for. He, they can move people in the run game, and they should be able to play off that. And then you get like this, what you see, one-on-one matchups outside. And Mooney can, Mooney can fly. He has superstar speed. And, of course, Allen Robinson can get open in one-on-one coverage against anybody in football, too. So you run the ball. You get those matchups on the outside. Throwing the ball outside is very easy for rookie quarterbacks to read, right? There's not all the stuff going on in the middle. You don't have to worry about fitting it into a tight window, ball getting tipped, intercepted. Oh, I didn't see this guy because they changed the coverage at the last second. So I was just glad to see them play the appropriate way of football, Michael Holly. And to me, they should play offense like the Cleveland Browns and then sprinkle in a few Lamar Jackson run plays, and they'll be a pain in the butt to beat along with what we know is a pretty damn good defense there in Chicago. And by the way, I'm so glad you said you're not a hater on anything. I appreciate that about you. Seriously, I told you that the other night, which we'll get to eventually. I said, man, you always keep it 100 uh, no matter what, even if it's it's for your side or against your side. I like that. Um, I want to ask you this you. from um, just using your insight player perspective. I have two player perspective questions for you. One is in Jacksonville. You're Trevor Lawrence, young quarterback. You come into the league and what you see is a circus already. They're four games in and it is a straight up circus uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, like this, this didn't even happen in college for uh, Trevor Lawrence. Clemson was more pro ready than Jacksonville was for him. What do you think the players are saying? I know what Urban said the players are saying to him, his leadership console. But what do you think the, the locker room talk is about their record and, and some of the actions of their head coach? Well, I mean, I would think that they were already questioning some things there in Jacksonville. I mean, of course, you know, it's it's a college coach who seems to be, you know, adjusting to NFL life. You can't treat players like college football players. You got grown men in there who got children or in their 30s, you know, been around the NFL certainly longer than Urban Meyer has been. So, you know, you got to have just an understanding of like the right touch as far as an NFL football player. You know, in college, you can be a dictator. And it's all about, you know, your ability to communicate and schmooze parents to get kids to come there and schmooze the kid to get them there. And then when you're at a place like Ohio State or Florida, of course, your team is more talented than the rest, you know, of of the teams you're playing 10 out of 12 games a year or 12 out of 14 games a year, however many you play. So that's where it's different. And I think between, you know, the strength coach being hired in, in you know, the spring and that little issue. Uh, his vaccination comments at one point during training camp. You know, the Tim Tebow stupid signing that was and what that did to your football team. I'm sure they've all been questioning it to a degree to this point. So then to add on like, wait, the general's not going to go back to the base with the troops? That doesn't make sense. That doesn't happen in the NFL. That that doesn't. I played eight years in the NFL, never had a coach do that. My dad, 15 years in the NFL, he never did that. It makes it look like there's a little bit of a double standard. Like, hey, you know, you guys go back and, you know, prepare and go home and, you know, maybe have to be at the facility, some of you, for rehab and workouts. But 
I'm going to be in here in Ohio sipping pina coladas at the bar. That's just not cool. That's not going to fly with players, you know? And then right. added to the fact you're 0-4 and it's time to, like, extra grind, not like, oh, let's take a breather and relax. You know, that makes no sense, and that's just not going to fly in an NFL locker room. So, Context. yeah, I'm sure there's a See, lot of them looking out of the corner of their eye. When you said extra grind, you were talking about working. You were talking about football players, but there's a different context. I didn't mean to grind it in the bar. You're what, right, right. What my man was doing <laughs> in the bar. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you, Sims, hey, he better be right. He better hope that, oh, you know, hey, that was somebody. Uh, it was just kind of somebody randomly I was dancing with. Hey, these things, these things can go left too. So uh, that there may be a story there. Agreed. So just, yeah. Hey, just... <laughs> Just say, I'm sorry, and, and, and don't speak on it anymore. I'm sorry, and, and just keep look, look straight ahead. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Another player issue, uh, player perspective issue I want, for, uh, want your opinion on was this Fangio, John Harbaugh beef over Lamar Jackson picking up the extra yards. And I got into it with Michael Smith on it. Smith says, hey, that's Bush League, essentially. Like, nobody does that. And I said, well... You know, John Harbaugh meant, thought that was important for his team. Nobody got hurt. I probably would rip, just being honest, I probably would rip him if Lamar Jackson had torn his ACL on that play or something like that, but he didn't. Uh, what, what's your take on, you know, picking up that record when the game is essentially over? Well, listen, I mean, first off, hey, you know, John Harbaugh knows his team better than anybody else. You know, the mantra of the Baltimore Ravens is, hey, we're the biggest, baddest bullies in the NFL. This is a little bit, you know, what they want to be perceived at by all teams and players. You know, they take great pride in that. Like, we're going to fight you every week. Doesn't matter. Preseason two. We're going to win 19 in a row in the preseason. We're never going to give up. Running the football, of course, is an attitude and physicality thing to where... Yeah, I'm sure John Harbaugh does like that stat. It looks good on Greg Roman's resume, so he's probably trying to do solid by his coaches. You know, again, the attitude thing. Uh, I'm with you. I would have ripped him. It's a big risk. If somebody does get hurt, like, yeah, everybody's going to, you know, for lack of a better way to say it, crap on you in the media and, and, and the talking right. heads and go, like, what the hell were you doing? Um, but at the same time, like, I don't know. I'm not mad at John Harbaugh for it. You know, I don't. I, I, it doesn't bother me that way. And if Vic Fangio and company didn't like it, even though it might be a little bit amateur hour, well, stop it. I don't know. It's not, it's not John Harbaugh's job to coach Vic Fangio's team. That's how I kind of look at it. And uh, I, I'm not as, like, bent, bent out of shape about it, I guess, as some, some other people. I'm more like you. All right, a uh, couple more, then, then we'll let you go. Uh, one, I, I know you have Sunday Night Football coming up, uh, you know, Bills, Chiefs, that's a great game. But you also you know, experienced one of the legendary Sunday Night Football games. I mean, America was paying attention to this. Nearly 30 million people watching Patriots and Buccaneers. What, what did you take away from that game, whether it was uh, a, a defensive approach against Tom Brady who didn't have one of his great games or whether it was just like the Brady effect and, and his teammates interacting with them, former teammates. What was it from that game or what were some things from that game that really jumped out at you? 
All right, first off, I just I couldn't get over how welcoming Brady was to everybody before the game. Just talking to everybody and just, you know, that, that to me was amazing. It really was. And that's where Brady is as cool as they come. You know, yeah, you know, just outside in the tunnel talking to, you know, ex-coaches, ex-players, the owner, Mr. Kraft, talking to Drew Brees, you know, saying hi to Stacey James, the head of the media department. You know, that's where, I, I, you know, Brady is as cool as they come. Handles emotions, handled his emotions properly. And I think the thing that jumped out to me about his play in the game itself is like he never got impatient. He didn't go like, oh, I'm going to show everybody it's, it, it was me that was the reason. I'm going to throw some lasers out here and we're gonna, I'm going to throw for four touchdown passes and really stick it to the Patriots. No, I think he understood the big picture of the football game, that the Patriots offense you know, it's not super explosive. They were going to have a hard time moving the ball and scoring points against the Bucks. And also, I think he knew, like, man, the one way we do lose this game is if I do get a little careless and throw an interception and give them the short field. So I was really impressed with Brady just keeping all his emotions in check. I think the second thing after I would say that is, like, hey, the Patriots, you know, maybe not a Super Bowl team, but they're a damn good football team. That's the other thing I do want to say. Mac Jones Whoa. played really well for the circumstances. Really? And, you know, the Patriots should be 2-2. Two and two. They blew that week one game where they outplayed the Dolphins. But I think they'll continue to get better as the season goes. And I kind of look forward to that development. But, man, Brady, he's as cool as they come. There's no doubt about that. What? Um, let's make sure. Um, uh, you know, Gary, Chica, Courtney, I just want to make sure. Uh, Chris Sims, he did say the Patriots are a damn good football team. Did I, did I hear that? I just want to make sure that there wasn't some, because we have some technical problems today, you know, in Stanford. So maybe your, your words Maybe I shouldn't garbled. say damn good football team. Maybe I should just say good football team. Like good football team. They can maybe what do you be mean a damn they're a good, good football, football team. team. Man, they score, they score like 17 points a game. Uh, they've lost to the Dolphins. Uh, they lost to who else? Who else did they lose it? The Buccaneers and who else? Somebody else. Oh, oh yeah, the Saints. Uh, they beat the Jets. Okay, they so got it's win pretty over good. The they blew the game against the Dolphins. They outplayed them, so that's where I'm not going to give up on them yet. They're not going to score 30 points a game. That's not going to happen at any point. It's going to be a whole lot of 20 to 17 type wins for them. That's how they. That's how they're built right now, and especially with the young quarterback. All right, there are some there are some fact checkers out there, right? So that that's the, some people just do that. They just fact they, anything you say, they just want to say, okay, you got that one stat wrong, you got that wrong. Okay, so I, I'm going to go in saying this is not exactly right, but I'm in the neighborhood. So Bill Belichick, five years in Cleveland. If you put all of those games together, how many games is that over uh, five years? Eighty like eighty plus games. Throw in the playoff game, like eighty one games. If you throw all his games together in Cleveland. Points for and points against, they're probably within like six or seven points. The whole shebang, six or seven points, but still was four losing seasons. So coming close, so what? Should have won. This is what bad teams say. Bad teams say, yeah, we should have won a game. Yeah, we so, if, if not for that fumble, if not for that penalty, if not for that stupid ref, if not for the element, like they got all kinds of excuses. I'm not sure they're a good team, Sam. 
I think they may finish under 500. Well, you think the Bucks are a good team, right? I mean, you think the Bucks are one of the best football teams in the game. And, you know, they drove do. down to the pouring rain game. and had a chance to kick a field goal to win it. Oh, oh, another thing. Another thing. How'd you feel about going for a 56-yard field goal in that situation? Did you like that call? I did. I was a little surprised. Yeah. I mean, of course, with the way the rain was coming down right at that point, yeah, I thought, you know, they might try to get one more crack, just a few more yards. But, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm get, listen, Bill's well thought out, as you know, very calculated. Right. He probably thought the, the risk-reward did not measure up in that, in that little instance right there. So, I understand that too, and uh, I, I don't have any issue with him kicking the field goal there. I don't. Uh, right, right up the road from Gillette Stadium, the Red Sox, Yankees. Hey, I gotta go. Tuesday I'll night. see you later. What? Oh, what's that, honey? I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, uh, Red Sox. You're a good sport, though, man. You're a good sport. You hung in there. I started texting you in the first inning. You were all about it. And then uh, when your guy Garrett Cole couldn't even make it through four innings, then you start to say, okay, this may not go our way tonight. How do you feel about the Yankees? Not that game, but just the Yankees uh, going forward. You think they should? Um, I, you know, I know first off the game. Yeah, I, I had some colorful language. I think in our text messages once again, once, once you guys went up three, nothing. I knew we were in deep crap. It was a microcosm of the whole year. You know, Garrett Cole being a little underwhelming and not as dominant as he should be when he's making $700 million a year. And, you know, of course, uh, Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton being the only guys that can hit on our baseball team for the most part. It, it was just them all year long. Crappy base running. That was all year long mm. for the Yankees. Happens there. I mean, how stupid was that? It's 3-1 and we send the guy from first after a rocket off the Fenway wall. Um, I'm more loyal. Yankees are my number one team in all the sports, right? You know, I, I'm, of course, a wow. Giants fan. But, but, like, you know, it's football. And I have a lot of relationships with other people. So there's weeks where, hey, listen, if the Giants play the 49ers, I'm going to root for the 49ers. Like, one of my best friends in the world is Kyle Shanahan. So I, I'm a little too, like, in the weeds in the sport of football. Baseball, I got no connection. So I could just be a Yankees fan. And I, I don't know. I guess I'm one that wouldn't mind seeing them make some changes. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I think some things have run their course and uh, let's, let's, let's do that. Let's rip off the bandaid and, and start fresh over. It's, I'm a little pissed off about well, it. Well, hey, listen, it, it was good. It was good to see Yankees, Red Sox have a little excitement, have a little animation. That's right. Again, after after a little bit of a lull. Last thing, uh, just quickly, your thought on Chiefs, Bills, and if, and my, my specific question is, do you think the Bills are now on that level? Because last year in the AFC Championship game, they seemed like they were unprepared, not really for the, ready for the challenge. How about now? Right. I do think they're on their level. I'm not going to pick them to win. I picked the Chiefs like 31-30 when I had to do my, you know, Chris Sims unbuttoned podcast with uh, Mike Florio today. So, I'm still going to go with the Chiefs. I do think the the Bills, they're better. Their defense, phenomenal. You know, Josh Allen, I, to me, Mahomes and Josh Allen are the two best players in the NFL. So I'm always excited for that. The Chiefs' defense stinks. I mean, it stinks. It really does. There's wow. nothing positive to really say about it right now. 
So I do think Allen and company will have their way to a degree, but they haven't really been hitting on all cylinders on the offensive side of the ball as well. Like the Bills are a team that I look at and go, you're a Super Bowl team. They need to trade for another receiver before the trade deadline to go all in. And I'll go, oh, you might be the best team in the AFC now. But the other thing, you know, where it's a tough matchup for the Bills, if the Chiefs run the ball like they did last week, and I mean just be patient with it because their O-line should be able to block anybody in football. It's one of the biggest, baddest groups of O-linemen in all of football. And like you see, when they do that, it brings up a defense and they can hit some big shots down the field, let alone Mahomes played like the most truest form of quarterback last week in a long time. He stayed in the pocket finally, stopped floating around and getting himself in trouble. He was true to his reads. And the Bills, if there's a weakness to their team, Michael Holly, it's their cover corners. I think they're less than at that position. And that's where I think it's a tough matchup mm. for the Bills. And that's why, yeah, I think the Chiefs are going to win this one. I do, and a close one. All right, Chris Sims, we'll check in with you next week, man. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it. And enjoy, enjoy the baseball playoffs. Even though the Yankees are out, there's some good, there's some good games, some really good teams. So I think, I think you'll enjoy it. And then you can maybe look and I say, will. oh, that guy, he should be on the Yankees. Maybe the Yankees should bring him in. Do some scouting. I, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm looking forward to it. I always pay attention to the baseball playoffs, and uh, I always enjoy being on with you, man. You're the man. My best to Michael Smith, and go Tampa Rays. See you later. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> nice little gut punch on the way out. I like it. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Like Tyler said, Andrew Wiggins pulled out the calculator. Kyrie pulls out the calculator. It's a totally different feeling. Like, I'm good for the next 17 lives. The inputs and the <laughs> outputs are different on Kyrie's equation. Very yeah. different. <laughs> you know, that, that math going to math in a totally different way. A lot of extra zeros. You feel what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, uh, 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 let's hope he doesn't pull out the calculator. <laughs> because that little, that little Euro dipsy dude, that mother did in that little practice video one of the real we need to see that 82 games okay <laughs> and the net and the nets really need that oh i love that i love that it's so funny it's so timely too because i was just talking about that 15 20 minutes ago that was from the jenkins and jones podcast we got lejethro jenkins with us uh, with us look i'm john like people know lejethro but it's john what's up man I, What's up? Thanks How you for doing? joining Glad the show. Glad to be on here. Yeah. And I'm doing great. There's so much I want to talk to you about uh, in the next 10 or 15 minutes. But let's start right there because that is hilarious, <laughs> pulling out the calculator. I was just saying, look, man, I don't know about you. I'm cheap. I'm cheap. <laughs> so if somebody says, look, I want you to walk to the corner. And I say, no, I don't feel like walking to the corner. But if you don't do it, every day you don't walk to the corner, I'm going to take $50 from you. I say, okay, fine, until I start losing that $50. Then I might do it. Like Kyrie, that's 383 grand per game. 
I know he's got a lot of money, but don't you think that that $383,000 every time that's missing, that might spur him to action? You will miss that $50 because you would use that $50. Like what is Kyrie going to buy more of that he can't buy now with that money? And that's what's worried, what worries me about him looking at that calculator. <laughs> I want him to just look at the numbers themselves, you know what I mean? But if he looks at the money in his bank account, he doesn't need that money. And maybe that's why he's so comfortable, you know what I mean? Wiggins looked at it, and like I said, the math looked a little different. So, I, I, me personally, yeah, I don't want to lose $10. But I, don't, I, I, right. I can't even imagine the level that, that Kyrie's on, you know what I'm saying? Now you're saying now I got to tell you one of the videos that I really enjoyed. I, I probably watched it three or four times and laughed every time I saw it after the Lakers won the championship you and your very natural reaction to LeBron winning and the Lakers winning. That's hilarious. Okay. That's a piece of that is a that's a national treasure that video. So why is a Lakers fan rooting for Brooklyn to have Kyrie back because that might be the that's the that's the matchup, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, most most sensible Lakers fans are like, "Hey, take your rest, sit out as much as you want." You know what I mean? I, I, Kyrie's one of my favorite players to watch, and I hate like a lot of his politics or the way he thinks really is has affected how I thought about him outside of basketball. But his game itself is one of the most beautiful basketball games I've ever seen. And so I want to see that as much as possible. You know what I mean? I don't think Brian's at a point where he has to prove himself anymore. And yes, I'm a Lakers fan, but it's because I'm a Los Angeles LeBron's fan. You know what I mean? I might stay after he retires or not. That's to be decided. Right now, I'm just a fan <laughs> of good basketball. And I'm really just happy to see LeBron playing basketball. What year 19 is it now? Or what year is it? Right. I yeah, approached it once here, oh three. When I saw him play in the playoffs last year, it kind of changed how I looked at him. I was really just thankful to see the man still hooping. I had like I would have these ridiculous standards of Bron being Bron even in year seventeen. So I just want Bron to be to play good basketball. I don't think he's the best player in the league anymore. I think he has to prove that to me based upon what I saw with Giannis, what I saw, saw with KD. I think I think KD is at the top right now. What Giannis did is insane. He's at the big boy table, and then there's Steph, and there's still Bron. Uh, but yeah, I just I mean, I'm just happy to see the Lakers, the old men, still doing you know, fun things on the basketball court. I want to ask you about that. I mean, just looking at this, just from an entertainment standpoint, and I'm on that now more than I used to be. I. I never really mentioned entertainment in sports. I'd be like, okay, did they win or lose? Okay, just tell me about wins right. and losses. But now when I'm looking at just just the pleasure of, of watching in any sport, watching a team play. So you got LeBron, you got AD, you got Westbrook, and then you got some uh, really entertaining side characters like Rondo and, and Carmelo and others. What do you expect from this team this year, entertainment-wise and bottom line? It'll be fun. I just want them to be stay healthy. If they stay healthy, it'll be fun. I think they'll win the West. I think they're the best team in the West. I think there's two teams in the East that can beat them, though. You know what I mean? Uh, I think the the Bucks and I think the Nets for sure. You know what I mean? I think that it's I think it's the next year. 
the next year. If 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 Kyrie doesn't play though, I mean, imagine how that's going to look in the playoffs. You know, what I mean, where you have him, you know, home games. You know, like I just I just don't. And then he has to come back and fit into the system. Like that's gonna that's that's difficult. So if Kyrie doesn't play, I think they can win it. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I think I think I think the Lakers win the West. I think there's two th- teams in the East that'll give them some real trouble though. And they're old. Oh, you know what I mean? They gotta they gotta figure out they're how to old. manage that. Yeah. We saw what happened in two thousand and four. You know what I mean? With with yeah, that see, with they, that Lakers team. They, this ain't that. Yeah, this that, ain't they that. they some, actually like each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say they have some issues. That was issues beyond the court on that one. But you know what, John, I was thinking about Kyrie from the you said if he plays. All right, the Nets. What if the Nets said, what if the front office said, all right, man, obviously you're not allowed to play at home. Play road games unless we're going to Golden State. You can't play there. Play your 41 games and save you for the playoffs. I think the front office would like it. The locker room would probably hate it. Do you think that would work if he just said, all right, I'm going to play 41 games in every game in the playoffs? He can't play every game in the playoffs if he's not back. Becky. You know what I mean? Like he, he can't. He can't. Can, what? What? I mean, he, he can't. Won't be able to play home games still. Except you know, every 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 road game. Like I play road games in yeah, the playoffs. Yeah. Road games. Uh, road games in the regular season. I don't even think that's that enough. That might be enough. I don't think it's enough. I don't. That I, might be I, I don't think it's. It might be enough, but I don't think that's enough. With how good the teams will be playing are, the East is really good this year. Like the top three of the East is really good. And I think the Lakers aren't good enough to beat with a Kyrie ever so often. I'd almost take like a like 70% of a Kyrie, like a, a Spencer Dinwiddie that'll be there every game at least. You know what I mean? And, and, and I think with Harden, I mean, with, without, without, with Harden being like 30% of what he was, and KD, well, he played like a god in, in the playoffs, but KD there, they almost beat. The people, the, the team that won the chip, that must be the Bucks. They were a toe away from it. So I think, like, if they got a guy that was decent, like 70% of what Kyrie is, and, you know, I don't know if they're willing to trade that, but if they got that guy, I think they could still win. They don't need, you know what I mean? But, like, no, like no Kyrie at all during half the games, I just don't see it. Unless they have, you know, home court advantage, which would be almost half things. I just don't see them. I think it'll be difficult to pull it off that way. I don't know how you manage that. We've never seen it though, so maybe they figured it out. Never seen it. It's that's why it's just so it's just such a compelling story to me, based on the personality of Kyrie, who the team is that he plays for, the money at stake. I mean, just this whole vax anti-vax conversation that everybody's having in the country. I mean, it's just so many dramatic parts to the story. I I don't know how it's going to end. I just know. Once, once again, entertainment. This is very entertaining. Uh, look, I love talking about music. No, go ahead. You, you got a point on that? Go ahead, and talk a point. Yeah. On that. Do then you I'll, think I'm he gets vaccinated? Do you think he gets vaccinated? I wonder what you think. Do you think he does it? I don't. I don't, I don't think, think he, he does, does either. I don't think he does. You know, I think I thought he. I thought he was you know, close at one point, but I don't think he does, man. Not now. It's like you're reading. It's like you're reading a book. And if something happens, you wait a minute. No, no, this character wouldn't do that. This, this, this character. No, wait a minute. You got it wrong. This character wouldn't do that. And that's why I say he won't, because it's totally out of character for that Kyrie. That is true. That is true. That is true. But I, I thought maybe, maybe like traded. his. I thought maybe his teammates could help him. 
But talking, looking at what KD said yesterday when he was just like, maybe I'm naive and being hopeful, but I'm looking to see Kyrie play 82 games. Like, and him to admit that there's some naivety to like what he's thinking makes me feel like he doesn't have as much, he can't sway Kyrie as much as I was hoping or, or basketball fans were hoping. So it's Same. weird that it's this guy. It's, you know, Wiggins not playing, playing half, missing half, like, okay, whatever. You know what I'm saying? But it's Kyrie on a team that is probably the favorite to win a chip. Like, this is, this is, you, you, if they wrote this drama, I'd be like, this is too much. You, you, you know what I mean? Like, no, right. y'all don't jump the That shark, would never you happen. Know, you lost the plot. Right. 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 That never happened in the NBA. I've been watching the NBA all my life. That would never happen because it no. Okay, but it's actually happening. I'm going to ask you about uh, music and their relationships. Then we're going to get out of here. Uh, and okay, I'll have cool. you out of here. But I'm looking at your background and I'm fascinated. I see Tupac and I see the queen Sade. So uh, just just give me uh, give me give me some insight. Favorite Tupac favorite Sade. And what you're listening to right now? Mm. This is actually not Tupac. That's my homie. My homie's actually in to do with the the uh, oh. with the with the. That's that's actually that's actually my my homie took that picture. He's in the Smithsonian right now. Adrian Walker, shout oh. out to my best friend. But yeah, yeah, that, that's I, great. I, 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 uh, look at that. I'm like, I got a Smithsonian piece. Little, not... little light flex. You know what I mean? I stand corrected. <laughs> I stand corrected. Is that Sade up there, or that, is that not that Sade? Is Sade. I got Sade throughout my okay. house in multiple locations. But, yeah, I, I mean, come on, Sade. I mean, I, 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 I like the vibe of Sade. Sade's a vibe setter. I play Sade. It sets the mood. I'm always, I'm always good from Sade. I don't really know a lot of song names. I just play the albums. You know what I mean? I, I, if, I'm, if I'm being honest, you know what I mean? I just, I just play the albums. Yeah. It's kind of like – I look at Sade like jazz. I don't know, you know, like uh, – um, I don't know a lot of names of jazz songs. Like, you know, I mean, like Miles Davis. I know a Miles Davis. I don't know the name of his songs, but I play a lot of Miles Davis in my home. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I look at just it. Just the spirit. Setting just the, spirit. Just the, in, the now, energy. Setting, you know, setting the tone of feng shui, getting it right. You feel me? I, I do. I do. And, you know, I, I'm glad you brought it back to your home because one of the things I saw, shout out to you, uh, I saw you, you, you posted a picture you about to be a dad, right? Are we, yes. are we, how close are we? How close are we? 11, 11, 11, 11, having, having a baby girl, about to be a girl dad. I've never been more excited. It's really weird how I'll be driving down the street and just get emotional with the thought of, of meeting her and <laughs> tears. I'm so oh, soft. No. I'm going to be the softest dad oh, in the yeah. world. And I'm so excited about it. I'm ready to be, I'm ready to be. Yeah. I'm right. I'm right there with you. And it only it only gets better. It's a girl too. It's a girl. It's just it's just something different. It's just some special. Some special. Uh, when 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 we when we were in the when we were in the uh, when we found out she was a girl, I literally jumped out of my seat. <laughs> I was like, stop lying. I thought I was I was so excited. <laughs> I can't believe it. I'm, I'm so I just feel so blessed to be able to be her father. You know what I mean? And I haven't met yeah, her yet. Well, congratulations. <laughs> I, I know, but you but you know, listen. I, they, what I was told, and I did it. They were saying, "Hey, you know, the kids can hear your voice. If you, if you talk, if you talk to the child in the womb, the child can hear you." So I'd be reading stories, I'd be talking about my day, and so go ahead, feel free. You're talking about next month. You're a month away essentially. So tell her, t 
tell her how excited you are to welcome her to the world and, and, and tell her about LeBron and all the and, and Sade and Miles Davis. There we I'll, I'll, I'll hear a new song in the whip. I'll hear a new song in the whip and I'll come right home. Like she has to hear this right now. Like like Drake in the, the when Project Pat was featured on Drake's album. I'm like, oh, she gotta hear yep. Project Pat. We gotta start her off right. So I put this I put the I put the phone to my lady's belly <laughs> and played it a number of times. Had it on repeat for a little bit. Hey, John, we talked about it before. Uh when we had Dragonfly on. We're gonna do this again. We're gonna go in the four box. It's gonna be the two of us, Mike, Dragonfly. We're gonna have a conversation. Fatherhood, music, hoops, whatever is on our mind. But I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you and congratulations again. Thank you. It was fun. I appreciate you. Have a good day. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. All right, you know, sometimes we get a bonus comment section. What's up, Brandon? I mean, I was expecting to see, you know, a Lakers jersey, a Ravens jersey, a Notre Dame jersey. I know, I know, I know. I had, I had, a, very, at, I had a very nice, loud, swishy uh, Jordan jacket on. That was, that was messing with the audio, so we had, we had to switch it up real quick. So I apologize. We had a swishy jacket. A swishy swishy jacket. jacket. Swishy right. jacket happens. This is our... Hey, Brandon, we know, listen, you're, you're the man you, you, with your ear close to the streets. You know what's going on out there uh, on the internet, social media, and beyond. Mm. So, look, we decided we wanted to check in with you. Tell us some things, man. What are people talking about today? Obviously, the streets is talking about what you're talking about. Urban Meyer and him being okay. in the streets, quite, quite, quite <laughs> literally. Uh, we had a conversation on Tuesday about Urban Meyer. This was the, the from is it too late for Urban Meyer to switch things up in Jacksonville conversation. Kyle Tucker said, yeah, I don't really care about the moral side of this, but I do take this as a thing to judge his intelligence. How can you be too? How can you be stupid enough to do this after not going back with the team and at your own place? Listen, we've cited uh, Urban Meyer's hubris place. at your own place. We've cited Obermeyer's hubris as it could be his downfall. His ego could possibly be his downfall. We talked about that. No one's questioned his intellect. Could Urban Meyer just not be intelligent enough to be a head coach in the NFL? Well, intelligent, that's a, that's, that's a big, that's a big accusation. How about we question him as a decision maker? Can okay. you be a smart person, but a bad decision maker? Right, you can compartmentalize. You're you're smart yeah. overall. You have some intelligence, but in a couple of areas, including one area that has brought a lot of men mm. uh, to bad mm. places, <laughs> to the knees. Hey, and hey, he's not the first. <laughs> no, he's, he's not, not the, the first, first one. Always. He uh -oh. probably went in there. He probably went into that place talking to himself. I'm gonna go to my own restaurant. I'm going to order the Urban Meyer. I'm not going to let anything. 
ain't gonna let nobody turn me around. I'm good. Yeah. And all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, you know, white tank top jeans started brushing up on him, Ugh. and he couldn't stop. Shame we'll get, on we'll get to that later. I do have an anecdote though. I I've always thought Urban Meyer was a smart football coach because coming out, I used yeah. to be a scholarship athlete back in the day, and. Florida and Georgia were the only two teams that didn't offer me full scholarships out of SEC. And I was like, Urban Meyer knows what he's doing. I thought I was fooling everybody else. I was like, Urban Meyer knows, like, Urban Meyer's knowing I'm not, I'm not league potential. So you ain't gonna worry about That's me. That's a nice little flex, though. That's a nice little flex, Brandon. <laughs> well, you, know, you know, Florida, Florida and Georgia, which means that Alabama offered you. They did. They did. It was, it was, it was, it was pre Nick Saban dynasty. It was, it was that after okay. that first year. You know, it was, he, he, did, he got the offer. Yeah, of course. I thought he was going to move me to the offense line, so I don't want to go there. You know how they go. All right, what All else right, you got? So what else you got on. there in the streets? This is this is some more Urban Meyer uh, juice, okay? Now, this we're going to put our Wendy Williams hat on for this one, okay? Okay. All right, this good. is from okay. the YouTube I'm, comment I'm ready. from ready. yesterday. Urban Meyer's right. action, so he's not fit for the NFL. Sheer Dove said he won't get through this because there is more to come. He definitely knew his that young woman, and sooner or later she will start talking. We all know what this is. <laughs> okay, now, now let me. I wanna, <laughs> this is my gossip gossip column. You know, how you doing? Okay, now I'm here for it. it. Comes out if it comes out that Urban Meyer and this young lady had a previous relationship. Does it actually make it worse for Urban? Yes, yes, it does. Yes, it makes it it makes it worse at home, and it makes oh. it worse at work. So you really got nowhere to go. And I don't know if this is it. Look, that, that's a pretty astute point. Um, I can't disagree with it. I can't disagree. But I don't know if that's going to be the thing. There's going to be something. Brandon, I said yesterday, I got week 10. I got week 10 mm -hmm. for Urban out. Before, I thought he'd make it through this season. He's not going to make it through this season. It's just too much. He's got too much going on. And, and maybe it's that or something else. You hear the Jacksonville Jaguars are kind of trolling them at practice. They're breaking down with grind. They're like one, two, three, grind. Just, just trolling them. It's, 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 it doesn't look good for them. That's <laughs> doesn't look good. Okay. I, I know now you got gonna, something. Up. What else? Yeah, we're going to sneak into the music uh, category. I can't believe uh, he did, he didn't know a Sade song. I mean, smooth. I mean, there's so many, but. We talking about the Super Bowl halftime show. We talked about how great, great of a lineup there is there. Right. Mm -hmm. This is from the internet. I saw this back in the day. I think this is a great conversation to have. Which of these three hip hop icons has the best talented coaching tree? Right. My mixtape said Dr. Dre, Lil Wayne, and Jay Z has been instrumental in developing new legends. But who's got the best eye for talent? You got Dr. Dre with Eminem and Fifty Cent, Lil Wayne with Drake and Nicki Minaj, and then you got Jay Z with Rihanna and Kanye West. I just want to hear your opinion on this. Well, look, man. Um... This is really tough. This is a great question. It's a tough question because Brandon, it comes down to what are you looking for? Now, are you just going to stay in the music realm or are you looking at multi-platform outside of music, acting, producing yourself, you know, getting into, you know, entrepreneurial things or are you just talking about music? So it's hard. Like if you're just talking about music, it's hard to say, it's hard to beat Rihanna and Kanye, but then sure. if you're talking about music, Drake, like Drake by himself, but then you had Nikki. I'm going to say, I think it's a battle between Jay 
and Wheezy. I'm gonna put Dre. I'm gonna put okay. Dre in third here. I think it's really a battle between those two, and who you got? Because I, I, I can't. True. I can't really call it. No, you're you're there. I uh, I claim I claim Detroit. Uh, my dad from Detroit. My mom's from Detroit. And you can't deny the talent that Eminem. But Dr. Dre changed the game and the landscape. So I feel like his coaching tree and, and and obviously hey, the, the, the people him. under. Ah, we when it comes to the music, denying. No, don't take it there. We nobody's denying anybody's talent. They're all talented. Of course, of course. All of the artists and all of the uh, the coaching tree people. All right, look. Before we get to that, before you give me an answer, I want to I want to make sure we get this in before we get out of here. I know you're a Ravens fan. You're a big time Ravens fan. Um, I'm wondering if you're still a Ravens fan after you listen to this. Check this out. I was not able to hear it, but I hate to say it. I was not a fan of The Wire, so I I did not keep watching. I know it's probably going to upset some people, but um, I, I, I couldn't get into it. It was like two episodes, and I'm like, this just isn't it. And I, I maybe maybe I'll revisit. Hopefully I don't get too much heat for that. But it, it's the truth. It's the truth. Sorry, you have to leave now. Bro. Marlon Humphreys. Marlon Humphreys is suspect already. That Alabama grad. He, he's been calling. He's been saying. He called out Notre Dame losing to Cincinnati this weekend. So I got a bug to pick with him. Anyway, he likes to put his little uh, analyst hat on. It wasn't it. Two episodes. What are you talking why, about? Why, why, why wasn't it it? And bro, read the room. It's Baltimore. I mean, this Baltimore. is about, this is your city. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? And or say nothing. oh, that's all you're gonna give it to? Oh, so much for hey, hey, Brandon. So much for film study. You gonna give it two episodes? That's all you got? You gonna give it two episodes and then that's it? Then you're out. You can't even get one season, season in. He should have got. He should have finished the first season before he even stepped foot in Baltimore. Brandon, we got to finish this tomorrow. You come back tomorrow, comment section. I'll be here. Can't wait. Hey, it's a feel good Friday tomorrow. We got Vinny Goodwill on Brother from Another. Amen. Thanks for hanging out with us. See you tomorrow. Love you. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.